Would you open God's precious holy word to the Revelation chapter 10? There is a pause in the action between chapters 10 and 11 down into verse 14. So this is a, a parenthetical period where everything sort of settles down, all of these horrible things that have been happening. There is a, there's a settling down on, uh, on planet Earth, but something significant still happens. And we're going to study the beginning of that tonight. So let's look beginning in verse, uh, verse 1, the Revelation chapter 10. And I saw another mighty angel coming down out of heaven, clothed, and then he gives his appearance. But let me go back up. Another, Alon, the, the, the Greek word, Alan, is a, it means another of the same kind. The, the, the language is beautiful in, in the Bible, but we prob, uh, regarding, regarding the original text and the description of, uh, of angels, but we get our most graphic and colorful descriptions, I think, probably in the Revelation. So here's what we see uh, in, the, in the Bible generally, but, in, but specifically too in, in the Revelation. There are the cherubim. They are called the four living beings in uh, the Revelation. And they are there uh, at the throne with the 24 elders. The presence angels, those who are always in the presence of God, they're the ones who are the trumpet angels. Then there are, uh, in the Old Testament, there are seraphim, Some believe seraphim and cherubim are the same. I don't know why the Holy Spirit would use two different terms, but regardless, there is a term in the Old Testament, seraphim. Uh, there are, there's a general term called angels, but then there's this, uh, this description here, a mighty or a strong angel. I saw another one of those, he says. He differentiates between this angel and the others who have been uh, blowing the trumpets, the trumpet angels, the presence angels. We'll see later on that there are also what I call bowl angels. They, they are attending the seven bowls of wrath in the temple that is in heaven. So you have at least that many. And there's probably, when you think of how the Bible describes myriads and an almost infinite number, a number of angels that no man can count, then you can imagine how many different ranks uh, and how the hierarchy uh, would be among angels. And we're only, and then of course there's the archangel, uh, Michael, and we're only given we're only given a glimpse of a few of them. And this is another of the same kind. So this, the strong angel who had the scroll in his hand and asked the question, who is worthy to open the scroll? This is another one like that one, but he has his own appearance because of the 
assignment that he has here. Now let's notice how he's clothed. This mighty angel. So there's a group of angels called strong angels or mighty angels. This is one of them. This particular one clothed with a cloud. So when one looks upon this particular mighty angel, his garment is white and apparently uh, gives the appearance of a cloud so that it moves around. It has, it has energy to it. His face, I'm sorry, a rainbow was upon his head. Now there's a green rainbow that encircles the uh, throne where, 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 the, where God is. We saw that earlier in the Revelation. This mighty angel has a rainbow on his head. Now, it is clear in Genesis that the meaning of a rainbow is, it, it deals with uh, covenants. It, it is that God makes a covenant. Here, and, and we'll understand this, I think, a little more as we get into the work of this angel. Here, he carries the emblem, the sign of covenant, of a covenant on his head. So he, he has this energetic clothing that moves. It looks like a cloud that has even within it great energy, a rainbow on his head. His face was like the sun. So to look at him was something that was difficult to do because his face was so bright that it shined like the sun and his feet like pillars of fire. So obviously his feet, now he would have, he would have been enswathed in this garment that would have gone down uh, close to where his feet were. We have to assume that not only his feet, but his legs as well were like pillars of fire. This is, this is almost an unimaginable appearance of a tremendous creature of God, one of God's angels, a mighty angel. So he comes with the, with the statement of a covenant on his head. He has great energy and power. He's bright and his feet like pillars of fire, which bespeak judgment. Now, some think that this is so similar to the, to the way Christ is, is described in chapter one, you know, hair like wool, eyes like fire, feet like brass. Some think that this is Christ, but it cannot be Christ. And we'll see why as we go along. Uh, but he's, we see him coming down out of heaven. Christ comes down out of heaven only at the end of the book. It's not like Christ comes down during the tribulation, goes back up and then comes again. This is a special angel. This is a, all right, we're, we're in the end, absolute end of days here. The timeline is not specifically clear, but we do know we're in the last three and a half years, probably in the last year or two, maybe even less 
than that. So the earth dwellers are going to have revealed to them spectacles that, that they've never even thought about because they didn't read the Bible. They don't know what kind of things God can do. They don't understand uh, how powerful and majestic angels uh, are as they are presented uh, in the scripture, especially here. So you can imagine what the earth dwellers would have thought. I mean, okay, so a fourth of the, we've already seen a fourth of the population die. And then a third of the population that was left uh, is dead. These demons that have been released, not only from the abyss, but also the followers of the four evil angels that had been chained or bound at the, at the Euphrates River, those armies are now released and their job now, the first time the, 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 those released from the abyss, their job was to torment people like the sting of a scorpion and so forth. But now the job of demons has been to kill mankind until a third of mankind had died. This interlude now, death wholesale on a, on a, on a scale unknown ever in the history of mankind. Nothing had ever brought death like the judgment of God to this point. Let's, 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 let's backtrack a little bit. This is the unveiling of Jesus Christ. That's the gift of the Father from the Son. That's what it says in the the God the, the Father gave to the Son this unveiling. So then, the apostle, the last of the living apostles, would receive this uh, this divinely inspired record of uh, of of a of a of a spectrum of 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 a realm really, that had been unknown up to this point, such that Christ is completely identified. You know, the last time John saw him, he was a penniless carpenter. And then he saw him briefly as he ascended and his majesty was returning to him as he went up uh, in the clouds of glory. But now he sees him in the fullness. He has time to obviously study him and then he writes down what he sees and he sees God the Son. Jesus of Nazareth was God the Son. God the Son laid all of that aside to become our Savior. And he's revealed as our creator and our king and our sustainer. And now also as the judge of everything and the owner of the universe. That's the title deed of the scroll that now has been completely opened, all seven seals. And with the seventh seal, here come the trumpets. And then when the seventh trumpet comes, the seven bowls of wrath. And when that starts happening, it happens quickly. Not, 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 in, not much uh, time between one or the other at all. So here is the unveiling of Christ. We have to keep in mind that everything that we see 
is a further revelation of the scope of the power and majesty and might of, of Jesus, of, of God the Son. He controls all of this. He's, he, his wrath is falling on a world. The time, the time for coming to Christ has come to an end. That's such a difficult thing to grasp. The, the, time, uh, the time of grace and mercy, we saw it last time, I think. The time of God's grace and, and His mercy that has been extended, it's not going to be extended anymore. So, so everything is coming to a, a fast conclusion, and this is all by the power and direction of Christ. This is the final unveiling of the Christ. It is the gift of the Father to the Son that we can see Him and His power and how not only did He create everything, but He brings everything to its consummation. He brings it to a close. He brings it to its end. And this is what we're observing. This is part of the process. So there's this there's this space of time here in the Revelation chapters 10 and, and then into chapter 11 where these horrific judgments are not falling. They are, they are, they are those as far as the judgments and, and killing, all of that is, is, is paused right here. And this magnificent creature comes. All right, let's continue to look at this, this, his description. Having in his hand a little scroll. Bibliaridion. Now, that's not the Biblion of the scroll that Christ has unsealed. It's a smaller, it's a little one, and it probably, it probably uh, has to do with the one now that has been completely opened that shows, that shows how how the universe was lost and the terms of its redemption, uh, something that only Christ could do. Uh, and, and now this is, a, this is a diminutive. This is, you see it's in the diminutive when it says Bibliaridion, that's a different word. It's related to the word Biblion, which is the first word. But this, it is properly translated a little scroll. The first one is translated scroll. That's what it means, Biblion. In some cases, Biblos. But here, it's in the diminutive, so it's a little scroll. So this, this mighty angel has in his hand a little scroll being opened. So the thing is already open. Now, some would argue that this is actually the scroll that Christ has opened and that this angel has it in his hand my only argument is that the words are different. It's, they're different words, and I don't see it. I see this as related to the scroll. I don't personally, I don't see it as being the scroll itself. Frankly, we're not told what the scroll is here. We're not told at all. We can take, we can take the, uh, the situation and the overall context we can make a pretty good guess as to what the little scroll is, but we're not really told 
what it is. Okay, so back to this angel. Here he is. His robe looks like a cloud. So it has movement to it. It has energy to it. A rainbow over his, upon his head. Can't see his face too bright. Shines like the sun. His feet are like, they're like fire. They're on fire. That would assume also that his legs are the same way. So legs and feet like pillars of fire has an open, a little scroll open in his hand. Now, what does he do? And he placed his right foot upon the sea and the left foot upon the earth. How big is this guy? He's bigger than the Transformers, I can tell you. So if you can imagine, I mean, human race, the earth dwellers consigned to hell. They're just being allowed to be scared even further. The remaining of those who are saved, the elect of God, the tribulation saints, and of course Israel coming to be saved so that all Israel is saved in that time. You have those, you have this smaller group of people who are saved, haven't been killed. Then you have this big group of people in the world that will not repent. They get to see this guy coming. Coming down out of heaven. His feet and legs are on fire. His robe is like a rolling cloud with great energy. You can't look at his face. It's too bright. It's shining. And he has a rainbow on his head, a little scroll in his hand, and he is so big. I have studied this. And I think, well, is this just kind of analogous or, or is this like, uh, is this like, is this like some guy that is just going to walk? I mean, you know, I've been to the beach before and I suppose I could put one foot in the ocean and the other foot on the beach, but it don't stay that way. The water comes up and then my feet start sinking. And, you know, so it's not it's the, the language really doesn't allow for that. We're looking we're looking at a tremendous giant. And there's we're going to see a little bit later how that's underscored. So people are looking and TV cameras are catching it. And here comes this, here comes this creature. He's an angel. And the earth dwellers are just screaming and they're going mad and they're going crazy. But the people of God are comforted. You see the same message that condemns the lost, that, that condemns the reprobate, strengthens the elect, strengthens the saved. It is a comfort to one and yet it is a damnation to the other. So he's coming with this little scroll so big that he can plant one giant foot that's on fire in the sea and one big giant foot on the land. How tall is he? I have no idea. But he's big enough to do that. The world will have never seen anything like this. This is a time of judgment. Listen, we, we have no idea of the, 
variety and majesty of God's created angels. This is just a glimpse of a, of a little thing here. We have no idea. So why hide these guys anymore? It's over anyway. Right foot on the sea, left foot on the earth. And he cried out in a loud voice as a lion roars. And when he cried out, the seven thunders sounded their voices. And when the seven thunders had spoken, I was about to write, John said. But I heard a voice out of heaven saying, seal what the seven thunders have spoken and write them not. This is a mystery. There are, there are mysteries that are revealed. This is, a, this is a mystery of God that will only be revealed in that time. He was, it, is, it is so unbelievable. It is so horrific. It is so tremendous. It reveals such power in the wrath of God that it can only be revealed at that time. So we don't know what we don't know what those seven thunders, but you know what? This further underscores how big this guy was because he sounds like a roaring lion, but when he cried out, it was like thunder. So here's a guy. His robe is like a cloud. His feet and legs are like fire. You can't see his face. It's too bright. It's like the sun. He has a rainbow on his head, and now seven thunders, seven is the number of completion, number of perfection, number of completeness, especially in the Revelation. So it means, it means that when he cried out, it was, a, it was a complete cry. Now here, this is the gospel according to Charles. You can take it or leave it. But I think he is so big and so powerful and so committed to this last time assignment that when he roars like seven thunders, what he just said goes all over the world. Everybody hears it. They hear it coming out of heaven just like thunder. They hear it. We're going to get an idea here, I think, even though it's sealed, the seven thunders are sealed, we might can use our imagination just a bit. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land lifted up his right hand to heaven. Now this is another reason this can't be Christ. And he swore by the one living to the ages of the ages who created heaven and the things in it, the earth and the things in it, the sea and the things in it. There will be delay no longer or extension of time no longer. This is a tremendous statement. Up until they see the returning Christ and the multitudes of saints and angels when he comes back in his glorious second coming, until that time, this is, I'm convinced, this is the most glorious thing earth has ever seen. This guy, this angel. This is his one job. To roar with a voice that is heard all over the planet. So loud, so big, so mighty, so strong. He roars 
with his voice. And now it says that he lifts up to swear to the one who is the creator, the eternal one. No more delay. No more time. I'll be saved tomorrow. No more time. Let me talk to my cousin. No more time. My mother, my father, my husband, my wife. No more time. That's what it means. There's no longer an extension of time. This is it. That's why I think after this interlude, things start happening. Boom, 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 boom. And that's why I think we are so close at this point. Here, we are so close to the very end of the age to when Christ will come back in glory and then establish his kingdom on planet earth. The mightiest appearance of an angel in the history of mankind has just appeared. And his mighty voice, where everyone can hear it, cries out this. It's going to happen. It's going to happen now. There'll be no more delay. Now you and I are living in the delay. We thank God we're saved. We do what God unctions us to do, hopefully. We pray and we certainly pray for the kingdom to come. We are tired of this world. We don't belong to this world and we long for the kingdom. And we long finally for God to judge sin and put it away from us. And let us enter into the kingdom. And let us serve him apart from Satan and his demons and the powers of hell, which is what the kingdom is all about on earth when Satan is chained. So the, the great proclamation of this tremendous creature from heaven is no more delay. Now, there are saints of God down there on planet earth who rejoice over that news. My hiding in this cave, watching my children starve to death because we didn't take the mark of the beast. Watch my people get sick and die so slowly because they couldn't get medicine or, or they couldn't get medical care because we didn't take the mark of the beast. It's almost over. So you see here, one of the things that is possibly written on that little scroll is how the wrath is going to fall from this point onward. This is how it's going to work itself out. There's the, the scroll that's been opened and then a little scroll that comes down from where that scroll was Perhaps a summary of things, but perhaps a commission to declare the message of the absolute end. There will be no further extension, no delay. We, uh, we can go to bed tonight and we can know that 
the delay is going to be a little longer because we're still here. And if we are raptured tonight and carried into heaven, we can still know that there will be these years of tribulation. But now comes the proclamation. The delay is over. The final wrath and judgment of God will fall and no one will escape. But in the days of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound the trumpet, then the mystery of God would be completed as his servants, the prophets, proclaimed. So there is a final mystery that is to be completed that has to do with the message of the prophets who, of course, proclaimed the end of time and the coming of the kingdom. Here are the details that God has never permitted people to know until this time. And the voice that I heard out of heaven was speaking with me again and saying, go take the little scroll having been opened in the hand of the angel standing upon the sea and upon the land. And I went to the angel saying to him, give me the little scroll. And he said to me, take it and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. The burden of preaching, the burden of proclamation, the sweetness of grace, eternal life, heaven with Christ, the bitterness of judgment, the truth of hell, and the damnation of sinners. How bitter will it be for John in his vision when he sees the final calamity of man, something so horrific that we're not even permitted to see, the final mystery of God being worked out in planet earth. This is similar to what God said to Ezekiel when he sent him, he gave him a scroll, a book. he said, eat it. He, gave, he was to proclaim, he was to preach to Israel. He said, it's gonna be sweet. It's going to be sweet in your mouth. But as Ezekiel discovered, there was bitterness to it because Israel rejected what he would preach. So he took it and he ate it. And I took the little scroll out of the angel's hand. I ate it. It was as sweet as honey in my mouth. And when I had eaten, it was made bitter in my stomach. And they said to me, it is necessary for you to prophesy again concerning peoples and nations and tongues and many kings. That message for the world has been being delivered in the time of the church. But here, given the context, it becomes necessary for John to continue to write and even to prophesy the rest of the revelation. And as bad as, it, as, as, bad as it's been for people who would not repent, 
as evil as people have been in the world, yet they become more evil. And the judgments of God so much more severe. So what's the message? Beloved of the Father, the kingdom is yours. Accursed of God, hell awaits you. There's nothing left for you. This world has failed you. Satan has betrayed and deceived you. And now your home is with him forever. Well, that's the end of chapter 10. So we'll stop there. And God willing, we'll pick it up there on Sunday night and we'll have our deacon prayer time.